0: Uh, Today we're going to continue, oh wait, by the way, didn't Jim do a great job last week? I got to listen to the message on Wednesday, and um, what I honestly, I truly appreciate about Jim is he's the real deal. Like he's a genuine, sincere man through and through. Um, You can search, and I'm I'm sure it's there because it's in all of us, but you can search for pride in that man's life and you won't find it. He's a humble guy. Who just wants what God wants. And uh, actually, I'm going to say something right now before I get into the message. Just a few days ago, um, I had an idea, and I believe it's something that's going to be an important next step to what God is going to do through those who come and are part of the New Day community. Because as you may know, or maybe some of you haven't heard, and we'll have a time where we can share a little bit about this, but. Two months into our church plan, I began to have a picture of a, a pit stop in a garage. And I felt like the Lord was just telling me, Justin, are you ready to do things differently than you're normally used to? And so as I got the understanding of a garage, you go, you park your car, you you know, take out your keys, and you're home. And the pit stop is you go and you stop, you're there to get something adjusted, and then you're sent back out to the race. And that's what New Day is, is that I, I believe truthfully that I'm in your life to serve you, to call you up into what God has called you to do, to send you back out every single Sunday into the race that God is calling you, that there are ministries, there are giftings, and there is a purpose on every single one of your lives. And sometimes we get clouded by it. We don't know exactly, has God forgotten me? Maybe he's taken that, maybe he hasn't given me a gift. And I know little by little, as you just kind of listen to the messages, you're going to begin to believe, man, I do have something God has for me. And so this past week, the idea that came to my mind was missionary. And I begin to realize because there's this pressure as a pastor, especially as a new church plan, as you read anything about church plans, one of the things you should do within the first six months is start something called small groups. Every church has them from what I understand, and I'm a huge believer in them. But I always felt as I've been doing this, as I've been leading the work that God has called us here, is, Justin, don't just do things because you do them. Don't just do things because you've seen them done. Don't just do things because it actually sounds like a good thing, because it could be. And so I've always had this, man, God, small groups are important. People are asking about them. People want them. That's how we do community. But I'm sure there's another way. I'm sure there's a way that, you know what, somehow, some way, because we start to get to know each other, that we actually start to invite each other into our homes and break bread and talk Jesus with each other. That I don't have to manufacture that for somebody. And I believe that out of the community, one who is learning how to love each other, eventually those things will take place. So that's my hope. But the idea that came to my mind the other day was this thing called missionaries. And man, it's it's like coming alive on the inside of me. And I say this because there's two people in this room or two feelings that you might get. And this is if you know that this is for you. One, utter excitement about what I'm about to say. Two, utter fear. <laughs> you're pretty much trapped both ways. If you're indifferent, then you're indifferent and you, you're out. You're good. You, you, you've made it. But I believe that we are called to be missionaries in the communities that we've been called to. That we're not just neighbors for a reason with those around us. And that's where people are like, oh, dear Lord, don't make me talk to my neighbor. Don't even think about that, but I truly believe that there is a place now that New Day is going to send out missionaries into the community two by two, couple and couple, or if it's a single person, a single person. Just like in Luke chapter 10 where Jesus sent out two by two and they started to see amazing things happen as they went. I don't know what this is going to look like. I'm not sure exactly we're going to roll it out, but the reason why I brought this up is because I know Pastor Jim is our first one that's going to take that step. Super excited about it. I know somebody's going to join him to reach his neighborhood or their neighborhood for God's kingdom. I don't know, again, what that looks like. But I believe over time this could be something that will start a movement in so many of our lives where we see truthfully through the eyes of a missionary. Now, when you see that, I have a friend in Mexico who's been a missionary for 21 years. He thinks very differently about the land that he's in. He starts to see it from a perspective that he's there sent for a purpose to help God's kingdom be spread in that area. And when you put that lens on and that mindset, it starts to change the way that you approach where you work and where you live. So I'll keep you updated in a couple weeks about what that could look like, but be prayerful if that's something that maybe God is prompting you to be a part of. Because you can ask the questions, well, what does it look like? I have absolutely no idea how it plays itself out, what it looks like, um, what we're going to do. I just know that that's an important next step for our community. So be prayerful about that. As we get into the word, let me just pray, ask God to bless my words today. Because I believe it's going to be an important message for many of us in this room. So, Father, we just take a moment and, and I just ask that you will use me as a vessel Uh, to speak your word to your people. As I speak, Father God, I thank you that you translate the words that I say into the language of every hearer in this room. And Lord, as I begin to go through these different thoughts, I thank you that you start calling people up into some levels and upgrades that they've never experienced in their life, that they didn't even realize they were seeing something from a wrong perspective. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you do what you do best, and that's Meet us right where we're at and remind us of the very words of Jesus. And so we take your word, we honor it, and we ask that you bless it today in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. The title of the message this morning is about a new lens. I truly believe this. this is only the third time that I shared this in 10 months, but I believe this is one of the most important messages ...that I will have shared up to this point. The other one was about orphan mindset... ...and the one before that was about relational before functional. I believe truthfully if you catch... ...or understand what I'm going to share today... ...it could have a radical impact... ...on every single area of your life. I'm a testament to what this message does in a person's life... ...and how it doesn't all happen at once... We're all in a process of sanctification, of growing in who we are, and learning how to walk out the very things that we've been talking about. How many saints do I have in here today? Whoa, it's working, like holy cow. It was like 5%, 30%, oh, we're up like 81%, to be exact. That's cool, that your lens is beginning to shift. Now some of you are like, I'm just going to say it because I know that's what he told me to put up, but... Eventually, there comes a point where you learn that that's who you are and there's never a question about it. That's what faith is. It's responding to what God has spoken to us. And so half of the message that I'm going to preach today is just laying a foundation. It's just the intro. And then the other half of the message is really getting into some of these understandings and utilizing the little illustration that I have up here. But before we get into the substance of what I want to share today... I want to explore a little bit because we haven't yet about this person who is now named Paul that we've been reading that he's been writing the book of Ephesians. I want to explore a little bit about who he was before he was Paul. Everybody has a past. And sometimes because we don't know peace, people's past and we know our past, we now begin to go, "Man, they they are doing so good. Man, they have no problems. Man, they have just man, they're just rocking for Jesus and you don't realize what past is carrying with every single person in this room. And Paul had a past that is to be forgotten. Like one that none of us probably come close to having the past that he had. And so I want to begin to look at this perspective from Acts chapter 22, verse number 3. Now this is actually Paul sharing about his past, about his lens change. Everybody say lens change. It's going to be an important phrase throughout our message today, but I want you to wa- uh, listen carefully to Paul's journey and how God transformed him from a man named Saul to a mighty man named Paul. Listen to these words in verse number three. It says, uh, reading out of the New Living Translation, he says, I am a Jew and I was born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia. And I was brought up and I was educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. Now, that was like one of the premier teachers or rabbis at the time. If you were trained or educated under him, it's pretty much like you went to Harvard for spiritual stuff. And at his feet, I learned to follow our Jewish laws and customs very carefully. Now, I want you to see something. I know some of you are new to our New Day community so maybe this phrase hasn't been spoken as it was often in the beginning but there's a phrase we share all the time relational before what before functional and I want you to see something very important at his feet I learned what function and many of you in this room have learned function many of you know how to be a good Christian If I were to ask you, how do you make a Christian better, you'd be like her. Let me give you my 10 steps that I learned all throughout my childhood. I just recently listened to a song by Salty. Who remembers Salty? I love him. I believe he's real and he's still alive. But he was teaching my daughter the other day how to function. If you want God to be happy with you, obey him. So there's a functionality that comes that we learn. All of us pick it up somewhere along the way. And we are doing our best with your kids back there to make sure, although it comes out in so interesting ways, how not to be functional Christians, but to be sons and daughters of a living God who absolutely delights in every single one of them. And he delights in every single one of you. And so he learned function at the highest level. And it says, I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did just as all of you are today. So he is speaking to a functional crowd at this point. He is about to rock their world. He's about to show them the lens change that God gave him so hopefully they would get and experience the same lens change. And so in verse number four, as we go there, we're about to see Paul is about to open up to us this lens change. Are those on the screen or no? Let me read them for you. I didn't put them up there. Verse number four says this: Acts twenty-two. You can follow with me on your in your Bibles or on your phone. He said, "And I persecuted the followers of the way. I was hounding some of them to death, binding and delivering both men and women to prison." So he's a, he's showing us what he was used to be like. Out of his zeal for God, he would persecute the church, the Christians. He says, the high priest and the whole council of leaders can testify that this is so. For I received letters from them, our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the Christians from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. And I love this. As I was on the road nearing Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, sir, I asked. And he replied, I am Jesus of Nazareth. Now, I want you to get this for a moment. That has to rock your world, doesn't it? Like he literally just got knocked off his horse because the light that was like these little lights right up there. You only see green dots when I look at that. And he got knocked off his horse and he said, "Whoa! what is this? And he said, why are you persecuting me? Who are you? I'm Jesus of Nazareth. So he is literally now hearing from Jesus who sits at the right hand of God. He said, I'm the one that you are persecuting. And the people with me, they saw the light, but they didn't hear the voice. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, get up, go into Damascus. And there you will be told all that you are to do. I was blinded by the intense light, and I had to be led in Damascus by my companions. And a man named Ananias lived there. I don't know who the Ananias in your life, but be grateful for them. They're the very ones that are going to lead you to the place of a lens change. They're the ones that are going to not be there to coddle you all the time and to just pet you all the time and to say, you know what, I'm sorry for what you're going through. They're going to be the ones that go, did you know that God says this? Did you know who he sees you to be? Did you know that you don't have to experience life like that? They're the ones that help lead us to a place of going, what just happened to me? They're important people and God will always send you an Ananias. He was a godly man in his devotion to the law, and he was well thought of by all the Jews in Damascus. He came to me, and he stood be- beside me, and he said these words, and Brother Saul, receive your sight. And that very hour, I could see him. Then he told me, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear him speak. I'm going to end the verse there is that Paul literally just had a lens change. He was literally going one way. And some of you were like that. Hey, functional, this is how I live my life. This is how God sees me, and this is how I try to live for God. Some of you are in a state of just hurt and pain and disappointment, and that's just justifiable to you because that's what life did to you, so that's how I'm going to be. And I truly believe in this service today. Some of you are walking this way, and God is going to have that moment with you where you go, You're going to walk out this way when you leave. It's literally like you got a new lens in life for some area of your life. So I want you to be very aware of what the Holy Spirit is going to minister to you this morning. And as I go through some of the points that I'm going to go through, and remember, we've done this before. So don't think like you're interrupting service, but if there's a moment during the service where you feel like the Lord is gonna give you or you want the Lord to give you that specific lens upgrade that I'm gonna talk about, feel free to stand up and I'm gonna pray for you. Again, the reason why I do that is because there are moments where we can respond to God and sometimes we can sit, God has that moment with us, we're not listening to anything else Justin's saying, and so I wanna give you an opportunity to respond to what God is saying You, it's time for an upgrade. It's you, time for upgrade. It's you, time for upgrade. And you go, God, I'm ready for it. And I just want to pray a prayer of agreement with you as you stand. But this is what Jesus does. When we encounter Jesus, and he does it our entire existence while we're on earth, he comes to restore to all of us a new lens. That we might see things the way that he sees them. And what happened to Saul, who is now Paul, needs to happen to all of us, and I believe that it's going to happen for many people in this room today, that God is going to give us a lens upgrade. How many have been to the glass store before, the glasses store, and you have your 1970s glasses on, and your daughter is saying, you know what, those don't look good anymore. You should really change those. Like, I have glasses that I wear. I, I don't know why I still have them, but... Because of hairspray or product or whatever it is, like they, you can't clean them anymore. Like I literally see a million dots while I'm looking at something while I use them at night and in the morning. And I know I need a lens upgrade. And many of you in this room are due for a lens upgrade in your life in some specific area. And when you get a lens upgrade, you see things from a new place. You start to see life from a place of a son and no longer an orphan. That's huge. An orphan always has at the depth of who he is this feeling that God could reject me at any moment, that God could be disappointed with me at any moment. Now imagine if that never was a part of your lens and you realize that God won't reject me and he's not disappointed with me, right? There is a lens upgrade that we may talk about in just a moment, When upgraded, you start to see things the way that your heavenly Father sees them. Isaiah talks about this. He says, my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above your ways. How many know we all need to upgrade? We all need to see something a little differently because the way that we see life seems so right to us and so justified that that's the right way. And God goes, I want to take you up just a little bit mooring I want you to see something differently when you get an upgrade you see everything differently and this is why Jesus said these words in Matthew 6 it's not on the screen he says if your eye is good then your whole body will be what full of light he said if your lens is right it changes everything and I want to make the statement right here because this is where we've been trained that Christianity is fixing our behavior So I have something wrong with me. I really have this issue and this issue and this issue. And so I really need to adjust my what? My behavior. I can guarantee you this. If you change your lens, your behavior changes. If Paul, who was Saul, heard a message about being a better Pharisee, I'm sure he heard many of those. And what happens is if he just wanted to be a better Christian as Saul, somebody could have conformed him to that. But Jesus said, no, no, I want you to see everything differently. Watch. I won't even deal with your behavior. I'll just change the way that you see life. I'm calling you to this. And now uh, Paul's life was completely and radically changed. No behavior modification. And when you see from a new lens, you start to see yourself, your problems, others, and most importantly, God differently. I want to say that again. Whenever God gives you a lens upgrade, you start to see yourself differently. Three, four weeks ago, we talked about an upgrade from a sinner to a what? Some of you struggle with that still. I struggled with it. To realize that, do I see myself as a sinner or do I see myself as a a saint? It's a question you should ask yourself. How do I see myself? The second lens change or that it changes us is it changes how we view our problems. And that's why Paul, James could say, count it all what? When you encounter various trials, knowing that that problem actually produces something of greater value called patience. And when you let patience have its perfect work, you will be complete. Are you following this? It's a lens upgrade. It changes the way that you see problems and mountains in your life. Another way that a lens changes you is it changes the way that you see others, so that you're actually able to forgive those who did you wrong. You're actually able to love those who are unlovable. And then most importantly, a lens change, it fixes the way that you see your father. That you start to see your father as one who is your Abba now. He's not a judge. He's not just the creator of the world who is distant from you. No, he personally wants to know you and knows you, and he wants to be a part of every detail of your life. That's my Abba. That's my Father, who now says I'm his beloved Son in whom he's well pleased. That's a lens shift. And so when you get a lens change, we realize that there's a whole kingdom around us and within us that we're now responding to. We learn that if we really want to interact with God at this level, we need to see things from a new perspective. I want to give you a few examples of lenses before we go in what Paul shared with us. The first one comes from Habakkuk chapter 3. Is that one on there? Habakkuk chapter 3. It's a verse that many of you know. It says these words. Listen to the lens, okay? Listen to this. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines... Though the labor of the olive may fail, yet the the fields yield no food. Though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. How many know that's a bad situation right there? Everywhere you look around and you go, nothing seems to be going right from a natural perspective. From a natural lens, you look at that and you go, you know what? Life S-U-C-K-S's, right? And so when it, and, and, and so you're justified in it. Why? Because you can tell people why life S-U-C-K-S's, right? I don't know how many kids are in this room, so. And yeah, they can spell. <laughs> we try that with Summer sometimes. Like Sarah's like spelling something because Carly's in there, but Summer's right there, and then Summer just spouts it off in front of Carly. And so there's a natural way that we look at life, and it's all justifiable, and that's why it seems so real that there's no herds in the stall, the olives aren't producing, there's no fruit on the vines. You know what, God? Where, why, and when? But look at what Habakkuk said, because he saw it from a different lens. And he says these words, Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will joy in the God of my salvation. Now, if I teach you how to do that, That's function. Hey, you're having a bad day? Okay, let me just tell you, just do this. No, no, no. Ask God to help you see how he sees this. And when you see how he sees this, you'll go, it's a response. Thanksgiving is a response. Praise is a response. It's not just something you do. That is functional Christianity that lasts for about a week or maybe for a Sunday morning until, you know what? Another thing happens and then your day's just wrecked. But when you see from his perspective, you go, oh, I rejoice in you, Father God. I rejoice in the Lord, and I will join the God of my salvation. Why? Because the Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like deer's feet. I don't know what that means. (laughs) And he will make me walk on high hills. Amen. Amen different perspective. You know, another lens change that we talked about is that God doesn't see problems. He only sees possibilities. I know you heard me say that, but I I doubt many believe that. Like literally, if you think about that statement, that means that he's always calling us up to see the possibility in a problem. He's not calling us to say, man, you got it rough. It's not that he denies anything. He just doesn't see that mountain the way that we see it. He doesn't see that lost job the way that we see it. He doesn't see that somebody hurt you the way that we see it. So he doesn't see problems. He sees possibilities. Another one is that God remembers your sins no more. That's a radical lens shift. And so these are not trying to muster this feeling or this belief. It's saying, God, help me to see what you see about my sin. You don't see my past, God? Okay, help me to see that. Because when you see that your past is no more, that he remembers your sins no more, as far as the east is from the west, your transgressions have been forgotten, holy cow, you can walk differently when you approach him. You're not pretending anymore because you see something that he saw. How about this lens shift, relational before functional? It's a lens shift. It's starting to see everything from the kingdom perspective, from a relational perspective, relational first. And out of your relationship with God that is already secure because of Christ, you now function for Christ. It's never I function for Christ, God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are there with their little signs going, that was an eight. That was a four. And that was a one. No, it's not that. Or it's not... You know what? Jesus is trying to protect us from this big, angry God. He's like, let me at him. I just want to smack my kids upside the head. But that's a lens shift. Sometimes we think that Jesus is the nice guy. The Holy Spirit got the bad job to help us out, and God is just angry. It's a lens, right? Changes the way that you live. But imagine if you saw that they were all one in one mind and united in one mind and in one heart, and how God sees us is how Jesus sees us and how the Holy Spirit now works out that perspective in our life. It changes the way that you live. Gideon was given a lens perspective or a lens upgrade. What did God say to Gideon? You mighty man of... Did he feel like it? No. Moses got one. He's called Moses, hey, I I called you to be a deliverer of the people. Some 2.5 million people. I want you to deliver. Oh yeah, from the most powerful man in the world named Pharaoh, and I want you to go tell him to let my people go. He had to get a lens upgrade, and that's why it says in Exodus chapter seven, verse one, that Moses now saw himself as the God to Pharaoh because that's how God made him for that moment. Amazing, Abraham. What do you say to Abraham? Hey, I'm not going to go tell you to have a son. I'm going to tell you what first. I want you to come out of the tent and I want you to see something. What was he doing? He was upgrading his lens. And that's why he's raised us up in Christ. Now, this is, this is very important what I'm going to share here because this is where we all come from. That all of us were giving a lens from Adam. When he sinned, where did he go when Jesus came to the garden? What did he do? He hid. So every single day he was walking with God in the cool of the garden. When he sinned, guess what? He got a brand new lens. And what did the lens tell him? Be very afraid of God. Be very ashamed of what you've done. And go now and hide and cover up because you are in trouble. And so what did he do? He hid. And all of us were given that lens. And that lens, the best way that I can explain it is self. So Jesus has people who want to follow him. What did he say to them? First and foremost, deny yourself. Man, I hope you guys catch this because this is the kingdom right here. Because when you finally realize that the lens of self says this, listen to these words. The lens of self says, I'm hurt. Rightly so, right? Somebody hurt you, right? Who's ever been hurt, right? And feels it and knows that it's, been, it's damaging and it hurts deep down inside. And that lens says, I'm hurt, therefore that's what I am. I am a hurt individual. Another one says, I'm mad at the world. It's a lens, that's all it is, and it seems so justifiable, but it's a lens of self. Everything is, I need. So when people come in here, guess what? You come, I know this as a pastor. They're coming in with a lens of, I need something from here for me. And when a lens is upgraded, what happens? I am here because somebody else needs me to speak into their life. It changes so much. Because no longer are you waiting for somebody else to make you happy. No longer are you waiting for somebody else to meet your need. No longer are you waiting for some other circumstance to make your life better. You realize, holy cow, God, I just need to see something from your perspective. And so there's no longer pretending. There's no longer, oh, and I'm just going to deny that. No, 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 I I see that differently. And so that's why I hope that you know God meets you right where you're at. But he always comes with something so special called a lens upgrade. <laughs> Come on, Sherlina. It's the only ones I could find on Amazon. They were nine bucks for like 12 of them. <laughs> and they fit Carly's head. I have a very small head, too. But what happens is he starts to say, Justin, I want you to see through my lens. And we start to now see people, and we go, man, I, they hurt me, but I hurt for them because the reason that they hurt me is because they're hurting. And we're like, absolutely not. Those are stupid. <laughs> like, they hurt me. Huh? Why did I even start feeling that way toward them? Man, they hurt me. That's, that's bad. And so we start to now keep our self lens on and go, this is the way that I do life. I live life according to what people do to me, what happens to me, and how God responds to me. And when you live life that way, guess what? The enemy can have a field day. He goes, all right, we're going to go on a little roller coaster this week. Watch what I'm going to do with this one. They were praising God on Sunday, but watch this. He does something, and we spiral down, and now we're just over. Life is too hard to handle. And God's not there going, stop it. He goes, man, come here, come here. I just want you to see something. Please, just put on this lens, because when you see what I see, you won't feel what you're feeling. And sometimes in Mrs' conversation John and I had a number of times, is that we joke about it, but it's so true and it's so real is I feel, therefore I am. Think about that. Adam sinned. He felt shame, therefore he would. That's who I am. I know now I'm a disappointment to that God of the universe. And Jesus came to restore a very place that many of us lost. So here are three questions. And remember, the first half is what? Laying a foundation. So we're still in the first half. It's important to ask these three questions. Jackson, go ahead, put that first one up. How do I know I need a lens change? If life moves you and gets you off a place where you're fighting the good fight of faith, where you start to get moved by what people say and by what they do and what happens in your life and you just can't take it anymore, you start to realize, okay, and you start to look at people with bitterness and you start to look at your past and go, you know what, I hate that and I can't stand that. What happens is there's a lens upgrade that God has for you. How do you know you need a lens upgrade is when your life is like this, What I mean by this is there's not a place where you don't feel. That is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is full of joy. It's full of zeal. It's full of all the things that God wants us to experience, passion. But it's when we go like this and everything can move us off of a place, it doesn't mean you're wrong. Please hear me because what happens is we move off that place and we're like, oh, Uh, I just need to get better at being a Christian. That's not what you need. All you need to do and at that moment, when I get off that place and I look at somebody and go, God, oh, man, I can't stand that person. Why are they saying that against me? God doesn't go, well, you need to love them. What does he do? Justin, watch. Try these on. And now he gives me a different perspective on them. And so when I write them, my writing to them is now seasoned with love. Because he, all he did is give me a, a perspective upgrade. He didn't try to change my behavior. And so how many of us are trying to go, you know what? Fine, I'll, I'll try to love them. Right? Who's been there before? Yeah, fine, I'll love him. Yeah, cool, I'll love him. See him in the hallway, I don't want to talk to him. Right? We, we have coworkers like that. We have bosses like that. We have people in our life like that. The second question I want you to see this, how do I get a lens upgrade from God? There's more than two ways, but I want to share two ways. When Pastor Gino was here, he shared a passage from Psalm 73. David looked at the world and he goes, God, they're prospering, but I'm not. God it seems like they have no problems, but I have a whole bunch of problems. And it says, and then he went Where? into the presence of God, and he goes, now I understand. Lens upgrade comes when you spend time with the one that you want to see from his perspective. If you don't spend time with him, you're going to struggle with this life of not seeing things the way that he sees it. And the second way that I do that, or that I I found to be very important, is how do I get a lens upgrade, is I just ask him. God, I'm in this situation. I feel a whole bunch of fear and anxiety, And I'm just going to ask you, Lord, help me to see this mountain the way that you do. Because all I want is for you to move it. But I know that it actually is going to serve a purpose in my life to make me strong. So, Lord, help me to see how you see this so I can count it all joy of what I'm going through. And how many know he doesn't answer right away? Like, he's like, let's take a little walk. Okay? Let's take like a ten... a, a, yeah, a 10-month walk. <laughs> like, oh, now you're ready. Because he wants us to get out of the place of just getting something. I, like, I just need to get out of this circumstance, so God, just to help me change it. Oh, no, no, you're not ready yet. And this is what, I don't know if Vale's in here, if she's teaching the kids, but we were talking about just this place of surrender, of just finally letting go and saying, okay, God, I want to see things from your perspective. And so get in his presence and ask him. The third question I thought was important to ask is, How do I know if I got a lens upgrade? So when somebody does you wrong, and you used to, let's say verbally cuss back at them, and then you got to upgrade, or you feel like you're working on this and spending time in the presence of God, and the next time they say it, and now you swore inside? Okay? We all there? Nobody's ever swore at their kids inside, have they? So I realize I'm not there yet. But I'm not trying to fix my behavior. All right, Lord, help me to see. There's something that happened the other day, and Sarah, she calmed me down. Um, so I, I, I walked into, and I, and I was wrong in this completely, so that's why I'm sharing it. I walked into my daughter's room the other night, and um, I think it's Aunt Patty's fault. It has to be somehow. She had a bucket of slime, but the bucket of slime was turned over on the carpet. Like, it was literally, it had to be like 12 inches by 12. I acted like it was 12 feet by 12. And I said, and I I did, I had a strong, and I want you to see this because this is where that night, well, Sarah corrected me briefly, but the next morning where God really showed me, Justin, you could have done that very differently if you saw it from my perspective. And I got very strong with my tone to the point where I said, get in here right now. Sarah, you have to see what she did. Okay, like Summer, come now, you know? And so she walks in there and she said she's sorry. You know what I said to her? No, you're not. (laughs) Can you believe that? It didn't even make sense. Like, no, you're not. If you were sorry, you wouldn't do it. Like, how stupid is that? And I realized what The Lord showed me the next day of, like, Lord, why did I react that way? Like, why so quickly did I respond with such strength in my tone, nastiness toward my daughter? And I just felt like the Lord said, Justin, man, imagine if you saw that situation through the eyes of love, that you simply just called your daughter in. And this is not about, oh, now I can... It's not about fixing something. As If I saw it differently, I would have reacted very differently. Summer, come on in here. Summer, what happened here? She would explain to herself, and you know what I could have done? Helped her clean it up. But you know what I did? Made her clean it up. And was not happy with how she cleaned it up. And told her, I know you're not going to be able to clean it up anyways. That I criticized her as she tried to clean it up. And it was all because of how I saw the situation, a perspective. And so my repentance to God, and I say this often to both of my daughters, and I said this to Summer the next day, I said, Summer, I just want you to know, God will never, ever respond to you like I did. Never. Because they get their perspective of God from the Father. And I want them to always know that when I'm strong or when I'm like that, God will never, ever respond to you the way that I did. But my repentance the next day was not, God, I'm so sorry I'm a butthead or a bad father. You know how quickly we spiral into those kind of things. My repentance was, God, I missed an opportunity to see my daughter in that situation through the lens of love. I pray the next opportunity you give me the grace to do it the way that it's supposed to be done. That's repentance. So how do I know if I got a lens upgrade, your responses and your reactions are proof that you got a lens upgrade. If they're still not there, it's constantly go back into the presence of God and say, Father, help me to see this co-worker this way because they still can push my buttons. Help me to see my spouse this way because they still Just rile me up. Lord, help me to see you this way because right now I'm so filled with shame but you don't know my past and yet it's speaking to me so loudly. That's how you know there's a place when you get a lens upgrade where I realize that what used to push my buttons no longer can. Where the enemy goes, we got him. watch this. And push it and nothing happens. It goes, all right, do it again. Push it, do do it again, one more time. Come on, we're gonna double down on this guy. And nothing happens and okay. We no longer can win in Justin in that area. Why? He's been upgraded. It's a lens upgrade that we're looking for. This is not Christianity on how to be a better Christian. This is about how to see things from your father's perspective. Uh, give me seven more minutes, okay? And this is why Paul prayed that the church was there last week. Jim shared on it. Ephesians chapter uh, 1, verse number 18, he said these words. He said, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand. That's a lens upgrade right there, that your, 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 your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the wonderful future that he has promised to those who he was called. And I want you to realize what a rich and glorious inheritance he has given to his people. And so when you get a lens upgrade, it seems as though what mattered or what was desired in life doesn't matter anymore. That the life and the purpose of the life, it takes on a completely new look. I remember my first upgrade. I was 18 years old when I got saved. Sports was my life. Literally, like they, it was the God of my life. And when God upgraded me, I saw life differently. And I remember how I knew it was a lens upgrade because I no longer wanted the music that I was listening to. Hardcore rap music. I was into watching things that I shouldn't have watched on 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 TV, and so it wasn't about God going, okay, Justin, uh, now that you're saved, you need to stop this, stop it, okay, and you need to stop this, and you need to stop this, and no, he just goes, Justin, I want you to see a new life, now, Jesus in your life, and I'm going to show you a new perspective, and so when I got saved, I was like, holy cow, I don't want that anymore, I don't want that music, I don't want the TV anymore, I don't want those movies, and I destroyed it all. But what was amazing to me was that sports no longer was something that was priority in my life. It wasn't that sports was bad. It just it took a wrong place in my life. And the proof that I knew that God truly did something is it was uh, 1997. So the Bulls were playing the supersonics. And I actually rather went to church. We didn't have DVR back then. I went to church and I didn't care if I missed the championship game. That's how I knew God did a work on the inside of me. I went from the back pew all the way to the front pew. No guilt for all those who are in the back pew. But maybe you need a lens upgrade. I'm not sure. But I went back there, there. I could raise my hands and worship God. Why? My lens was different. I found life, so I went from death unto life. I went from darkness unto light. That was the first lens shift that I got of life is now different. Wow, I thought, like, this is amazing. I want God. I can't wait to get in his word. My heart toward his word changed. That's happened when I was 17 years old. And Paul had a very similar explanation. Look at this, Philippians chapter 3, actually. 7 and 8 are just going to be on the um, screen, but I'm going to read verse 1 first. Whatever happens, dear brothers and sisters, may the Lord give you joy that I never get tired of telling you this. I'm doing this for your own good. Watch out for those dogs, those wicked men and their evil deeds, those mutilators who say that you must be circumcised to be saved. Functional. For we who worship God in the Spirit are are the only ones who are truly circumcised. We put no confidence in human effort, function. Instead, we boast about what Christ Jesus has done for us. That's a lens upgrade. Listen to Paul. I mean, this is what he's saying. He goes, This is my new lens. He said, I could have confidence in myself if anyone could, and others have reason for confidence in their own efforts. I have more. For I was circumcised when I was eight days old, having been born into the pure-blooded Jewish family that is a branch of the tribe of Benjamin. So I'm a real Jew if there ever was one. What's more, I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. Let me finish off with these verses. And zealous, yes. In fact, I was harshly persecuted. I harshly persecuted the church. I obeyed the Jewish law so carefully that I was never accused of any fault. That was his lens. That's how he lived. He lived in a high level of pride because he lived so well. But listen to this I once thought all these things were so very important, but now I consider them worthless. That's a lens upgrade. Everything now in life is worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I have discarded everything else, counting it all as what? Garbage. Everything else, every accolade, every achievement, everything that he could prove himself to be. He says, you know what? It's garbage so that I may have what? Christ. And that's the lens upgrade. And I did not get to any of the upgrades I wanted to talk to you about this morning. Totally misplanned that. But I do want to give us an opportunity this morning to be upgraded in one lens that Christ may be so real inside your life that everything else begins to pale in comparison that his acceptance of you is so real that the hurt of others pales in comparison, that his blessing that he gives you pales in the comparison of how life is so difficult, that there's an upgrade for every single person in this room. In Ephesians chapter 1, it talks about seven of those, which we're not going to talk about today. (laughs) Would you please stand with me this morning? I want to pray for you this morning while we sing this next this final song. I'm going to ask you this. You don't have to, but if it's important for you to do so. And when you go, God, I need a lens upgrade when it comes to you. That Christ comes alive inside of your heart's. That you realize that this Christian life that you're living is not one of trying harder and being better and doing more. It's about resting in the perfect work of Jesus Christ in your life. That you would see that his work has been finished and complete inside your life, that you're a beloved son or daughter. I want to pray for you at the end of service that you would be upgraded. It won't be a long prayer. It'll be a quick prayer. But remember, how do you get a lens upgrade? You get into the presence of God and you ask him to help you to see things the way that he sees whatever it is that got you so put off and so pushed back. Before we do that and before we sing,